Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. Happy New Year, everyone. Man, I am so excited to give you guys something pretty amazing right here. I had a chance to put together a mashup of the top five podcasts from 2023. Dave Burgess, Nick Edwards, Larry Dake, April Grace, Eric Lillis, educators with over 35 years of experience, speakers, educators with big followings, educators who are really focused on being in the classroom and not that they're following at all. People who have amazing stories that my listeners, you all, have found to be the most popular ones from 2023. So here you go. Enjoy this one, a mashup. Each one includes a brief introduction, followed by some inspiring stories. I hope that you enjoy this episode the top five from 2023, the mashup version. Have an amazing day. Happy listening. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. I think I just had the longest pre-show in the history of pre-shows that I've ever had, but I, I think you'll know why when you hear who my guest is today. The one and only Dave Burgess. I always tell people my gateway drug into education was coaching. And so I was a basketball coach. My first job as a human being. I worked three summers for John Wooden at the John Wooden basketball camps in Thousand Oaks, California. So at a very formative part of my life, I got a chance to work three consecutive summers week after week with John Wooden at his camps and got to see him deliver his pyramid success every single week to the campers and the parents and then work with the kids on basketball fundamentals and all that. And then my first job in a school system, before I even had a teaching credential, I was hired as a basketball coach and I enjoyed working with the kids so much. I went back to night school and got my teacher credential and uh, eventually became so obsessed with the teaching and left the coaching behind. So that was kind of the start of the whole journey. I'm just floored that we need to do another episode on John Wooden's basketball camps, because that sounds amazing. I mean, what an awesome experience. I got to ask you, what's your, what, give me a couple of takeaways. Let's just go into that for a second. Yeah. So for sure. I mean, this is maybe, I mean, most people think the greatest basketball coach of all time, maybe the greatest coach of all time. And certainly one of the most successful coaches of all time. And I think what you realize very quickly is that yes, he's an amazing basketball coach, but what he is really is, is an amazing teacher. And I think that kind of goes very much into the, you know, my philosophy of teach like a pirate is that it's not just about your content. It's about you're embracing that mightier purpose of being a life changer. We're in the life changing business. And this is the way that John Wooden saw it too, as he saw it as this is, you know, it's about much more than jump stops and jumps and jump shots, right? This is about really having an impact on these young people that, he was coaching and that we teach. And so I think that's one of the big takeaways for sure. 
Also, his definition of success was very formative for me too. And his definition of success was that um, it's the self-satisfaction and knowing that you have done everything that you can do to become the, the best that you're possible becoming, that fulfilling your potential. And so like in a coaching standpoint, it's not what, your, what the one loss record is because maybe you are 20 and two as a coach, but you had so much talent that nobody can figure out how you possibly lost two games. You didn't live up to your potential. Or maybe you are two and 20 as a coach. And the truth of the matter is, is you had to get so much out of those kids to win those two games that you actually did fulfill that team's potential. And so which coach is more successful, the 20 and two coach that didn't live up to the potential or the two and 20 coach that exceeded the team's potential. And so it's not about the one loss record. And that's the same way when I think about education, like with test scores, it's not, you can't measure a teacher's effective with test scores. You know, our effectiveness as educators can only be measured through generations. It's the impact that we have on students who go on and have that impact in their communities which of course ultimately influences the world. So it's about a much bigger purpose than what a lot of outside people will like to drag your attention to. That's just a mentality and some mindset, a way of going through life. And so for John Wooden, it started with like, hey, here's how we put, on, here's how we put on socks. And we're gonna take that same intentionality and apply it to every single thing that we do. And now how do we transition from Wooden to teach like a pirate? Yeah, so I started to teach and I had a pretty rough group of students that I was working with over the course of the years. And um, for me, it was kind of a matter of survival. I'm going to find a way to capture the engagement of these students or I'm going to burn out and leave this profession. And so a lot of the techniques of Teach Like a Pirate were just things that I discovered straight out of my classroom. And partway through my teaching career, my department chair, a good friend of mine, Brian Ross, he came up to me, he said, I just got put on the professional development committee for the district. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be if you put together a workshop based on some of that crazy stuff you're doing in down your room that nobody understands. And I had never even considered doing a workshop before. And I took the leap. I said, yes. Now, was I ready? No. Did I have a workshop? No. Did I have anything organized? No. But there was an opportunity and I was willing to take a leap and to jump and to, uh, you know, they say like jump out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down. That's kind of what I did. I signed up for a full day workshop. Not, I wasn't smart and chose, I didn't choose a one hour. I signed up to do a full day, six hour workshop for the peers in my district. I was going to stand up in front of my peers in my district <laughs> for six hours. And I had never done a workshop before. Well, you can imagine the panic and anxiety. Uh, it kind of really lit a fire under me. And then I just got relentless about trying to gather all the things that I did in my classroom. I thought was successful. But then that wasn't good enough. I had to search for why does this work and why doesn't this one work? And it forced me to become much more intentional about my craft and to really try to kind of find the secret sauce, magic recipe behind what I was doing that was working with kids. And so that's when you know I developed the first Teach Like a Pirate workshop. And then from there, it went, I think what is most important that you share is the amount of time it took from when you started the workshop to when you started the, when you went to the book. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure the first workshop was in the summer of 2005. Now, my book, Teach Like a Pirate, came out in 2012 in the fall and really didn't do so much the first few months and didn't take off until tw like spring of 2013. And so 
if you take a look at that, you know, so people saw all of a sudden Teach Like a Pirate everywhere. It kind of went viral through social media. But what they didn't see and what often people don't see in, in stories about people that have had some sort of success, right, is what happened beforehand, the work that went in below the surface, right? So I was speaking about this thing for like six, seven years before my book came out. I was going from conference to conference to conference, anywhere, literally anywhere anyone said I could do my Teach Like a Pirate workshop. I went any state, any conference, anywhere. I just applied to conferences all over the place. I knew I just wanted to get my message in front of an audience. And if I could get in front of an audience, it would take off. And so I just like worked the circuit with no book for years and years and years before finally pulling together the book. And so that's kind of a side of the story that people sometimes forget. That is the hard work is never forgotten, but it's always hard to see. I have a special guest here that has been in education for 30 years. He has also been the Justin's Renaissance Educator of the Year. He is in Arizona as well, and he is currently a superintendent at this time. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Eric Lillis. I mean, education was not my path in college. My, my path was actually medicine, and I was pre-med um, at the University of Iowa, uh, go Hawks. Um, and I got to a certain point in that journey where I was sitting in the office of my um, college advisor, uh, Dr. Girdler. I'll, I'll, never, I'll, I'll never forget her name. She was amazing. And she sat me down one day and she, you know, we're going over what, what it would take to, what I would need on my MCATs and what I would need here and what I would need there to be able to get into med school. And I actually did pretty well. Um, but she's like, Eric, you would make a great teacher. And I looked at her and I'm like, really? You know, that's, it's, I've never even thought about being an educator. Um, but it turns out that the uh, med school thing did not work out. I didn't uh, continue. And uh, I decided to continue my education um, at U of I. I got my education degree. Um, secondary education degree and uh 30 years later here i am so it's uh it's you know it's been a journey through through three states and mostly in arizona but uh i don't regret any of it i don't regret leaving med, med school to do what i do because man i could hang out with kids all day so yeah absolutely how do you not love that this is true you get to impact and shine the light on others which is pretty amazing and yeah it's great that you empower that you know so after being a teacher there was some leadership talk about the journey from teaching to leadership yeah i mean i i uh when i got out here i was teaching at an elementary school here um in kingman and for those of you that have not been in kingman arizona you can find it halfway between phoenix and vegas um on the road between those two great cities, but um, I was offered a position at our local charter school that had opened five or six years earlier. Um, one of the original Arizona charter schools, Kingman Academy of Learning, called me, picked up the phone and said they needed an activities director. And uh, I just finished my master's in educational leadership. Um, to this day, I'm not sure how they got my number or how they, they found me. Um, uh, I, I did have some friends that were working there, so that was probably it. 
but they offered me the job as assistant principal and activities director of a school of a high school that was only two years old. And I was the first actual activities director of this school uh, for two sports. We had two sports when I started there. We had volleyball and basketball. That was it. Schools rally. All of our schools re you'll recognize our intermediate campus, Brandon. Jeff Martin is our intermediate principal. And that guy markets and, and recognizes kids like you would not believe. I mean, every week they're recognizing kids for something. Um, every day. You know, he has a running club. He has a he has a Disney in schools club. He has so much cool stuff that's going on in that building. I just I'm just so proud of everything that he does over there. And and kids love going to that school. I can walk on that campus and and it's an outdoor campus, so it's a little bit different. So you have to go outdoors to get from room to room. Um, Arizona, you know, we can handle that here. But the smiles on the kids' faces on that campus, man, they want to be there. You know, they enjoy being at school. And and you walk into classrooms and the teachers are having, you know, are are engaging and the kids are actively learning. And and it's 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 awesome. It starts at the top. It starts with those principals and and they know what my expectations are. I want them to to have a culture where every kid wants to be there 24-7 and and they're doing it. Man, they're doing it. Yeah, you know what? You're going to have your kids that still struggle coming to school and you're going to have your kids that still struggle at school. But we still recognize those kids for something. Those kids still feel loved. Those kids still feel seen and heard. And 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 that's so important with all of our kids. Our middle school, three rallies last week. I mean, recognition. Um, the principal over there, Tony Vector, he comes over to me during the seventh grade rally. And seventh grade was struggling. They were having a, I'm going to go off on a little bit here. Is that okay if I tell you a little story about that rally? He, uh, he, I mean, he comes over to me and, and, and he says, look what I do now. He's cause seventh graders were having a hard time getting into it. So they were struggling a little bit. Our seventh grade group's a great group of kids. They just struggle with spirits sometimes. So Tony's like, watch what I do now. So he pulls me out of the crowd and he pulls another, one of our teachers out of the crowd. He says, well, we're going to have a putting contest. And he pulls this young man. Uh, Colton Parrott out of the crowd, who's a golfer, who's a really good golfer as a seventh grader. I mean, this kid's solid. And he sets up this little plastic putting thing. And it's, it's. I mean, the putter's about this long. I mean, it's tiny and I'm six too. So I'm trying to putt with this thing. So this other teacher, he putts first. And, and, and the rules were the one who gets closer to the pin wins and they get to pick, you know, if, if Colton beats us, he, I mean, he gets to pick something special for his class. So the first teacher putts and he brutal, really bad putt, misses by a mile. Mr. Victory gets up and he putts and it's not close. I get up and I hit the pin and I bounce out. I thought it was in, Brandon. I you know, I thought it was good. Colton gets up there and he oh holds the thing. Colton gets up and he holds the putt and that place went nuts. Wow. Blew the roof off that gym. And he told Mr. Victory afterwards, he goes, I want my class to have a free dress day. Cause, cause we're uniform school. Um, but he earned his class a free dress day, just a seventh grade class. And I have never heard that much noise in that gym ever since I've been there. He blew the roof off that place by putting a golf ball, plastic golf ball into a cup. He'll never you know? forget that. He'll never forget it because he beat the principal and he beat the superintendent in a putting cup in front uh, of all, his, in front of all his friends in, in front, front of all his, his friends. And, and it was that. just one of the most amazing moments 
at a middle school th that you're ever going to see. The teacher to principal to print uh, to craziness of a journey and, and just a wild journey through education. That's really been super inspiring in, in New Jersey. Nick, how you doing, man? Um, you know, growing up, really not doing well in education. You know, I struggled in comprehension. Uh, I struggled in school. I didn't take it serious as I should have. I thought I was going to be a professional professional baseball player. You know, who, who doesn't think that when you're pretty good at it? Um, and then reality sits in, sinks in, and you think about what you can do to improve. So, you know, I have a great group of friends. We talk every single day, and these guys are really, really smart men. Learn from them and learn from other people that I needed to make an impact in some sort of way, but not just in sports, but it had to be in education. And I continue to struggle. Uh, I'll tell you, I was going to, if I didn't tear my ACL my freshman year in baseball, I would have failed for the year and I would have been eligible because you're, you're, you're away at college. Uh, you're away from your parents when there's guidance, there's structure, there's discipline, and you're off on your own for a little bit and you think you can do whatever you can do. And you realize, oh, I'm making some mistakes. So I was fortunate to tear my ACL, MCL, and have the surgery and go through the grinding part of it and realize that, you know, you got to get your act together. You're on a scholarship. And that was start of the failing as, you know, younger, you, you struggle in school, uh, you get an injury, you self-doubt yourself. Can I come back? And it really didn't sink in that I wanted to be an administrator and believe in myself uh, when I became uh, right before I took the, the administration exam. You know, I failed and struggled taking, taking the teacher's exam. I couldn't pass that. I was a terrible test taker. So all of these self-doubts, all of these struggles, all of these not believing, I didn't believe I was smart. I didn't believe I could speak to people. Um, I just didn't feel confident. And now as my fifth year as a principal and trying to make videos and inspire others and make a connection with my students that it's okay to fail. You're going to fail. If you don't fail, then it's, then there's no appreciation to where you're going to go. So that's the connection. It's okay to fail, but you got to do something to persevere and get through it. And mine was just trying to connect with others and having people believing me, family, friends, and just educate myself and learn from others. And here I'm trying to just make an impact in as much as many people as possible. Yes. Oh, you test designers out there. I hope you were listening. I am, uh, yeah. I affiliate. I am, uh, I can definitely understand that. I also, too, failed the teaching exam twice. I twice. failed it twice. Not, I think I was Not like one. Three, three or four. So, like so I would like to say that I think I deserve a an award or at least a nice note from a listener saying congratulations that we did it. Maybe That's we can get it. one of those. Um, because yes, I did fail that. And I also failed the national board test to get my national board certification the first time. And I want to tell you how I failed the national board certification test, because I think it's important that we, we share this right now. They've mm -hmm. since changed the test. However, you are in a room and you get a several scenarios and each scenario is 30 minutes. You're given a question. You have to design a lesson 
that has clearly outlined objectives. And then you have to just basically connect it to that inquiry-based learning experience for your students. You cannot use the internet. You cannot use anything. You just have to have this in your head. And oh yeah, you don't know what grade it's going to be because they're going to tell you that next. So here comes mine. I'm not sure if it is language arts or whatever. Um, actually, no, I remember now. It was science. So the question was, a kid in your class notices that after it rains, that it's not always going to have a rainbow. <laughs> Design an activity that is the lesson plan. National Board of Professional Teaching Standards, are you oh, listening God. to me right now? I failed the National Board Certification test the first time because I didn't have the answer in front of me. At what point as a teacher do you ever have your hands tied behind your back where you can't use the internet or the right. student in front of you to help mm -hmm. you out? I'm sorry. Jeez. But I did That's eventually crazy. go back. I retook it. National Board of Professional Teaching Standards. I retook it. I waited the one year. I paid the, the hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. and I did it again. And now I have that those four letters after my name and I'm proud. However, I want you to know that it is because I did not know why <laughs> exactly or how to design an activity related to mm -hmm. the reason why rainbows don't always happen after it rains. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No, you cannot make it up. No. Can't make this up. That's not okay. No, not and, that's, okay. and that's the thing with Tess. It's just not okay all the time. With you cannot find the caliber of the child just by taking a test. And a lot of kids that I deal with, their home lives are beyond what some of us could never even com compare to. But speaking of inspiration, I have one incredibly inspiring educator here to share. I am so excited. We were finally able to get each other in the same room at the same time virtually to make this happen because you know she was going through a a a run for state superintendent a little while ago and i had to kind of back off i could see how busy that that uh that actual process was so here she is dr april grace coming all the way from oklahoma how you doing april i'm doing great and i'm so glad we were able to finally get this going and make it work Yes, absolutely. We were really, uh, we were really going there on the pre-show for a bit, and yeah. I was just really fired up, and I had to press record because the the content that we were starting to come out with was just really awesome, and the connections yes. um, that we were seeing. So, man, it's so great to to connect with you, and I'm so excited to share your story. Um, you've you've been through a lot, especially in the last couple months in the last year and, and making some incredible shifts and, and taking roles to the next level, which has been incredible. I can't wait to dive into that. But first off, let's just start with you. Let's talk about your education story. Sure. 35 years yeah. in education, by the way, listeners, if you did not hear me say that, that was 35 years in education. So, man. Been doing it a minute. Where do you even start? Well, I started out as a, you know, classroom teacher. I mean, I think in high school, I was blessed to have some, well, all through my academic career, but especially, you know, it seems like you remember the most about middle school and high school. I mean, I have memories of different elementary teachers along the way too. I wouldn't say I don't. Um, certainly I do. But I think, you know, I remember just a lot from my high school experience, some um, 
maybe that's because after I graduated, I went back and taught at my own high school. And so I then interacted as a colleague with people that were my teachers, which was also a really interesting kind of thing to do. Um, but I just had incredible people um, in my life as educators and just a really unique educational experience. And I always say I what I want is for every kid to have the educational opportunities and experience that I had um, as a young person coming up through the school system. And so, you know, I think that was kind of the why I initially kind of felt I initially was really medicine was really my first love. And I got a science education degree. So I get eventually go to med school. So I concentrated in all those classes and then I got married and had my daughter. And by the time I was ready then to go to med school, um, I just couldn't fathom giving up that point of her life, she was five years old. And so just, you know, and I never regretted staying in education. I fell in love with teaching and coaching and um, just, I've never regretted it. And I'm always happy to take those kids in because I always felt like I would work with them and, and we would make adjustments and we would be reasonable and, and get them. And I wanted them to have the exposure and the opportunity. So for me, a lot of stuff in my career has been about how do we give students exposure and opportunity um, I kind of have these three E's that I was sharing with you pre-show a little bit that I live by. And I think they've probably been a guiding principle throughout my entire career. Um, and that's just elevating everything I'm a part of in every way I can, um, whether it's a conversation or it's a workshop that I'm a part of or a conference or a meeting or a teach uh, being in a role of teacher or whatever. Um, and then I want to encourage everyone else to do their part too and in being a role model and being positive and elevating a situation. And then I want to empower everybody in every way I can to be able to do those things. So that may mean, you know, obviously as superintendent, I have different resources and ways I can empower people. Um, and maybe as a, as a, I teach graduate courses in master's and doctoral programs, maybe that's helping somebody make a connection with somebody else that they need to make a connection to for a job opportunity, or maybe it's just somebody they need to meet and have conversation with. I'm a big connection person and, and a relationship person. So, you know, I just, for me, that's kind of, those have been the driving pieces when I think about it. I don't know that I ever had the words, you know, that I was always locked in on, on the words. Um, I think those came later in life when you realize this is really what I'm all about. And you're trying to really like hone in on on some things. But I think those were always three things that were just natural to me of of what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be known as. Um, and so I just been super blessed to be able to do that, whether as a teacher or, you know, as a building level administrator, you're trying to do that for teachers and you're working with teachers and parents to do the best for kids. And then, you know, you move to central office, you're doing what you can to make things happen in a building for principals so that they can support teachers because teachers are the ones face to face, you know, kind of in the trenches. Same thing as superintendent. You're looking at how do you distribute resources? How do you provide support? What trainings do we need? And then how do I contribute on the statewide level um, to make education an important conversation? And so kind of just how it's worked out for me. Oh, I love it. Yes. Elevate encourage empower yeah that is the three e's yeah that you've picked up through your journey you know putting it all together right it seems like what you're saying is your life has been like a series mm -hmm. of puzzles where all of these different education educators have just 
led and paved the way and gave you all these different pieces. And through your experience, you're able to piece together this puzzle. And, you know, your, your experience didn't really stop in the school building. You went the next round. You went even further. You, you know, you just came off of a, a run through the state superintendency. Um, I mean, just a, a whole different side, you know, politically and a whole different side um, as an educator. Um, just, wow. Let's, well, I think you realize, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think you realize the importance of, you know, as legislation is being passed in states which impact um, education practice and policy. And so I think it's, you know, it takes you a while to understand the significance and the importance of being able to be a voice at the table or to be involved in those conversations and trying to create those allies and those relationships. I think, you know, hopefully we all understand that everything comes down to relationships that we create with people. And I'm sure that that's just been modeled for me over the years, whether it was through my parents, my dad was an entrepreneur and a, and a home builder. He had lots of relationships with people. Um, and then all the educators that I grew up with. I mean, I feel like, you know, those are all things they probably poured into my life and I gleaned and picked up from them. And, but you just learn over time, the importance of having a voice and being part of that conversation and being part of the solution um, and understanding if not, then we get a lot of things done to us. <laughs> if we're not willing to go to the table, have the conversation, build the relationship so that you can have conversations, then you just end up with all these laws or all these things happening um, that you really, you know, that then frustrate people. And so you have to, you have to want to be part of the solution. So for me, it's really, I love finding solutions. I love finding creative solutions. Um, and so I think that's, what's fun. And I think that's, what's fun about being a district level leader is looking at a unique creative way to solve some complex issue or problem that we're all facing. And I think your experience, the glue that holds the puzzle, Man, I am excited to be here to talk about some really awesome stuff that is really super close to my heart, being a dad myself and also a leader and also a father figure and also hoping to lead a legacy. That is the author of this, one of the co-authors of this amazing book um, that we're going to talk about today, Dr. Larry Dake. How you doing, my man? Good. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the opportunity. No, my pleasure. You know, we've been, we're fellow New Yorkers. So yes. that is always a shoe in. So anybody that's a New Yorker <laughs> out there, I'm usually a hundred percent. Yes. On that one. But yes, you're an assistant superintendent. You're also an, that is always a shoe in. So anybody that's a New Yorker <laughs> out there, I'm usually a hundred percent. Yes. On that one. But yes, you're an assistant superintendent. You're also an author. You're also running Twitter chats on a regular basis, which got to give you a massive shout out to that one because running a Twitter chat is a commitment and a half. So that is amazing. We'll get into that. But first, let's start with you. Let's start yeah. with you and your story. How'd you end up in as the assistant superintendent at Bingham, Binghamton City School District? Sure. Well, thank you again, again, for having me. So you know, I'm I'm originally from this, this area, uh, the Binghamton, New York area. So it's about one hour south of Syracuse, about three hours northwest of New York City. So actually really close to the Pennsylvania border um, from a little town about an hour towards Cooperstown, New York area, Baseball Hall of Fame, 
uh, really small area, graduated with 90 people in my class, very rural, um, ended up going to college in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania at King's College, which was a great experience, and then came back to Binghamton University, not really sure exactly what path I was going to take. I started off as a doctoral student in history, had always been drawn to that field and um, pivoted into education, uh, went into teaching, was a high school social studies teacher, and then um, I, I spent three years as a curriculum coordinator, then as an elementary principal, and then as an assistant superintendent in my previous district, and now since July 1 of 2020 as assistant superintendent here in Binghamton. Now I student taught in the Binghamton City School District all the way back when I was getting my master's degree in education and was just, again, contrasting it to my experiences growing up, really just enthralled with the diversity and the different perspectives. And it was just like, oh my God, this is what the world really looks like. So the chance to come back and, and to fulfill this role has been tremendous. Um, also teaching the Binghamton University Ed Leadership Program for the past six years as well. And really enjoy that role in terms of mentoring and supporting early career perspective leaders. It really is the stage of leadership I'm probably drawn to the most when you're figuring it out and it's all in front of you. Um, and then, you know, inspiring some of the dad's work. I have three children, 13, 11, and eight. And my wife is an elementary reading teacher as well. And we live in the town where the, the 2016 Little League World Series team came from. Remember back the US team from New York won the Little League World Series over Seoul, South Korea. Uh, my wife was actually the first grade teacher for about five of those students on that team. So, you know, little hamlet, little town of 9,000 people. That was quite an experience for all of us. Um, but that's kind of where I'm from here in this little neck of the woods in upstate New York. Wow, there's a whole lot in there, but I love the full circle moments. I always like to point those out, the full circle moments where you start in one place and make your way back to it, you yeah. know, especially with that student teaching experience that and to be able to at least have had experience in the district and know the way it runs and be a part of all of that. It just makes makes it a lot easier to yeah. step into a role like that where you can really see the vision of of what everybody's capable of 